Hi, missionaries, and welcome to Mission Moments, where we take a moment to prepare for our mission. The Mission Moments podcast is sponsored by Mission Youth, a community of missionary disciples who come together to equip ourselves to go out and spread Christ's love in the world as apostles of the new evangelization. Every Catholic is called to be a missionary, and we are here to help everyday Catholics like yourself learn to be one. We're going to share missionary experiences, form skills, give tips, and great mission stories. This is our third season, and we are so happy that you are continuing to join us on this podcast. In this season, we'll be taking a deep dive into some essential characteristics to our particular mission style. So every episode in this season, we are going to be interviewing missionaries from a different city and asking them what certain characteristics mean to them, why they are so essential to mission youth, and to share some real mission stories which highlight that particular characteristic of our mission style. We're so happy you could join us. So today, on this very special episode, we are recording from Atlanta because I have two very special friends that I wanted to introduce to all of you here in Atlanta. And they are the local mission directors here of our Mission Youth Chapter here in Atlanta. So we are here with Joe and Tanner, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves because they do amazing mission work here in Atlanta. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Tanner. I am one of the directors on the team for missions in, Atlanta, in downtown Atlanta. Uh, currently 24 years old uh, and grew up here in Atlanta, convert to the faith. You know the story. Um, and just super excited to be here with you all to talk about missions. Hi, I'm Joe. Um, I'm currently 21 um, and I'm a nursing student. I also work at a hospital, and I've been doing missions ever since I was probably in elementary school, and then through high school, and now I'm here being one of the directors of missions in Atlanta. So that is really, really exciting, because in many cities within the United States, there's legionary mission directors and consecrated women mission directors, or uh, adults that are married with children that are mission directors. And it is very exciting that here in Atlanta, we have young adults who are studying and working and have lots on their plate, but they still find time to do missions. And so I'm just curious if you wouldn't mind sharing why, why, with everything else that you have to do on your plate, why do you like to spend time on missions every single month? Yeah, I think it's a really important question. I think today there is uh, a lot going on in the world, right? And uh, truthfully, the most impactful work that I ever do in one day is the work that I do on missions. And I think that holds true, you know, from the day I started doing missions to today and hopefully the rest for the rest of my life. But um, missions is so unique in the fact that it takes off, you know, the face mask that we all wear. It takes off the, uh, the, the pretty appearances and the, you know, the secular, you know, oversight, but it really gets to the core of who we are, which we're all human, you know, and really getting to know the human person and really trying to, to love each person that you encounter. Cause I think what we try to like facilitate, try to build in each of our missions is that person to person encounter. And I think you take that with you, you know, in work, school, family. That is awesome, Tanner. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's a beautiful introduction to what we're going to go deeper in later on in this conversation. Joe, how about for you? Um, 
Well, that was very well said, Tanner. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I work at a children's hospital and I feel like a lot of times I get caught up in like the big picture of seeing, like Tanner said, like there's so many things going on in the world and I see like some pretty awful things at work a lot and it can be very overwhelming. And I guess one thing that missions has taught me that brings me back to it like all the time is how it goes, it takes the big problems and it makes it small. It makes it about the person in front of you. It's like, how can I love this person in this moment to the best of my abilities? And I think it's something that I learned in missions that I've taken like everywhere. Like at work, I'll just be so overwhelmed and I like have seen some pretty awful things happen to like really little kids, but it's like, how can I love this person right in front of me right now? And that's like what keeps me going. Like, yeah, we both work a lot of hours and like even after like, a 12-hour shift or something, I'm still, I still have that drive to be like, okay, what do we have to do for missions? What do we have to get ready? Because like, it's so, it's been so important to me and I know that it's so important that other people get that experience. So, it just... I can attest to how hard they work because they do. They work very, very hard to make these missions happen. So, would you all be able to share with our listeners a little bit, what is it like on a mission in downtown Atlanta? Can you paint the picture for us of how often do these missions happen? What typically happens on a mission day? Because every city does missions a little different. So what is it like in Atlanta? Um, so our mission days are, we start at like 8.30 a.m. All the team leaders get there because we have an awesome team of team leaders who are super dedicated and make all of this happen. They all get there. We have like team leader time. We have formation for them. We usually get them like coffee and a little breakfast and then we have icebreakers as all the kids and young adults are coming in we have a brief formation talk for everybody and then we split up in teams we go to our mission we come back for like a late lunch after like we give them like two to three hours of mission but a lot of them stay longer which we are super happy that they do we come back for lunch and then we hang out we do adoration but Taryn, do you want to talk about the actual mission? Yeah, I think uh, the best part is going to get on the streets and, you know, I think uh, Joe said it really well, like, we are not here to boil the ocean. It's like one of my favorite sayings because <laughs> it's physically impossible. Uh, but we're here just to find that one person and that's what we try to form our missionaries when they first come on mission is like, even if you have 20 bad encounters that just don't go super well, you're not pleased with, of course, entrust those to the Lord. But we're here for that black sheep, you know, because that's really what's going to happen. Um, as some people don't appreciate just like your general missionary spirit, um, at least in that moment, you know. And so I think like the two pillars of each mission that have to happen is the formation and the mission itself. Um, the format, both critically important to each other. And so I think like every time we hit the streets, it's always something different. You never know what you're walking into. The environment of the world is changing every day. Um, but generally just trying to do a little bit of good each time on the streets, um, whether you have something to give out, hygiene kit, ice cream, it, it changes very dramatically mission by mission. But really just trying to make that person smile and try to get them to know that like Christ loves them. And if you've done that, You've had a good day. Mm -hmm. How often do these day missions happen in Atlanta? Well, during the school year, once a month. But mm -hmm. then in December, we have three missions planned this year. Um, and then we have 
obviously Holy Week, which is just one mission, but you know it's like way more than that. <laughs> Holy Week is intense. <laughs> and who typically comes on these monthly missions? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it's what's really exciting to kind of expand on what Joe was saying. We're adding missions every year. I mean, we can't put enough on the, on the calendar. Uh, but typically, like, it started really just focusing on high school. Um, but as the core team started to grow, we saw this appetite for young adults, you know, and that, uh, you know, college students, young professionals, like, they have the same hunger the kids do. And so, you know, we've started to add in a young adult track in addition to our high school. That is amazing. So how many people come on these missions every month? Recently, these past few months, we've had monthly missions with, like, more than 50 people, right? Which is awesome. Especially, like Tanner mentioned... Our young adult group has grown so much. Like most of the missions now are, they have more young adults than high schoolers, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. And on these monthly missions, what is the community that you're primary tri- primarily trying to serve? Who are you reaching out to on these monthly missions? Gosh, that's such a good question. If you asked me a couple of years ago, I would say we're here to serve the homeless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's still probably a core value of like what we focus on. But I think like, what we try to form the kids as these days is like literally anybody you encounter. I don't care if it's your bus driver. I don't care if it's somebody in a suit that's going to work on wall street. Like that person is who you should try to love that day. You know? Mm -hmm. So I think it, it starts with the homeless and that's a beautiful ministry. And we love doing that. It's probably where most of our missionaries go to downtown today, Mm -hmm. but I'd say it, it starts from the moment you walk out the door and it doesn't end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to add to that, we have started making our mission sites more diverse. Like, we go to a lot of the parks where, like, the homeless congregate, but we recently expanded a lot to, like, the MARTA, which is our public transit. So there's, like, a lot of people who are just commuting, you know, like, going to work or, like, going somewhere. And we also go, like, sometimes outside of, like, the emergency room and the mm-hmm. hospital. So that's, like, people who are in crisis who sometimes are, like, in a very vulnerable position. But it's really, like Tim said, like anybody. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's really beautiful to see the impact that your missions are having because I just went and did like a mini tiny downtown mission with the RC Mission Corps girls that were in training. And so we were just a small group of seven missionaries and we were down in Hurt Park and there was a gentleman, one of the gentlemen that was, you know, waiting down there on the curb and he wasn't so excited to see us. And so another homeless person came out and kind of guided us to a different group of people so we could get away from this gentleman. And he was saying, look, I know you people. I've seen you here before, and I know the good work that you do, and you don't deserve to be treated that way. So I was so impressed to see that they know, like, they know that you come down, they know the work that you do, and they recognize them when the missionaries are there, and they value your presence. So I thought that was so, so beautiful to hear. Mm-hmm. So you have both been doing missions for several years now. So do you have one or two mission stories that for you are really, really special or important or, or moments that changed your lives in a personal way on mission? Dang, there's so many to choose from. I wouldn't even know where to start. Do you have one in mind, Tanner? Sure. I think like, so working on the leadership team is definitely a pivot, right? So Joe, I think her, her and I's you know, initial experiences have always been as missionaries, right? Going mm-hmm. on the streets. Um, and getting to interact firsthand with whoever you encounter, right? But I think in, in recent years, you know, working on the leadership team, 
uh, you start to get away from that a little bit more, which of course hurts a little bit, right? It hurts like, oh, I want to be on the streets with everybody. But the, the, the growth that we've seen here in Atlanta is just so exciting and, you know, it takes an army to, to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, with Jesus at the helm. And so I think a lot of my, my stories that I have like nowadays are more like about the partnerships we build, like to your point, Kathleen, like becoming a staple in the city of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Like people recognize the logo, people recognize the smile, the cross. Um, and so I think like after you start to see that more and more built, like being knitted into the fabric of that is the city of Atlanta, I think like probably one of my favorite stories is working with one of our really strong nonprofit partners. You probably have it wherever you are today, but the Salvation Army is, is massive in their reach um, across the U.S. and I think abroad too. But there's a really remarkable woman who works there. Her name is Shay. And Shay has just a beautiful servant heart. She started um, as just a simple little, I think she was homeless, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, it was actually just being like served by the ministry of Salvation Army. And then just seeing the beautiful fruits of her work just kind of start to like take little bits of notice within the organization. And just hearing her story and hearing how she was helped by the Salvation Army, which then made her turn around to want to, to give even more, right? And to work for them and to help others who are in her same situation. Um, but I think we, we worked with her for Holy Week this year um, to pull off a, a big carnival, right? We were excited to see a lot of these families come out that needed help and wanted to just put a smile on their kid's face for Easter. And just uh, and so we helped them pull off this carnival. Um, and I think it was just so remarkable the way Shay took the the carnival and carried it all the way through because it wasn't a huge turnout. It was a little like it was rainy and like there wasn't like just a ton of people that came out for it. Um, but Shay's, Shay's grace really struck me because she was like, Tanner, if I made one kid smile today, that was like, that was a win. And I think that just kind of goes to the core of who we are, you know, like scale can, can sometimes be blinding, you know, like you want to have the biggest, most awesome mission you can ever have. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, if you just get that one person um, to, to smile, mm-hmm. you know, and to feel loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Shay does a really good job of that. That's awesome. How about you for, for you, Joe? Um, well, as Sarah was speaking, I was thinking, or when you were mentioning how the people remember us. Um, one time I was out in Woodruff Park, and I remember I was talking to this gentleman, and he was like, Oh yeah, I remember you guys like last month I talked to what's your name? Angelica. And I was like, I know Angelica. And it was just like such a moment of just like, oh, like we know the same person. Like how mm-hmm. funny is that? Like mm-hmm. it was just so natural. And we were able to like connect on that and just talk about like how great Angelica was. And mm-hmm. like I don't know, it just made it feel like just such a friendly conversation that you would have amongst friends. And um a couple years ago I used to live like right in that area because I used to go to school there and I remember on missions I met this one guy and he sat in this corner that was like right across the street from where I lived and I had to walk past him every single day to go to class to go to like the Marta station and so I just made it a habit um every day when I packed my lunch I would pack two lunches and the first few times I walked past him and I called out his name and I remember he like looked up and he was like what? I was like, it's me. Like, I'm talking to you. Um, and so I would give him a lunch every single day. And it got to the point where, like, he knew my schedule and he would wait for me to come back from work. Sometimes I would come back from work really late and I'd be, like, walking alone at night. 
And he would wait outside the MARTA station and like walk me back to like my dorm and make sure that I got home safe. And it was just like incredible because, I don't know, it was like having a friend, like having a real friend. And I just think that's like what so many of our missionaries have built. Like they go to the streets now and they know who they're looking for. They're like, I really want to see this person. And they know their name and they know who they are. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's like, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's so special, the impact that we can make in such a short time on missions. Because mm-hmm. I remember arriving to Atlanta last year and one of the first missions that I went on, it was either October or November. And I sat down with a gentleman whose name was Jay. And he had tons of bags and stuff around him because there was, it was a day before Thanksgiving that lots of people were handing out free stuff. And he was collecting as much as possible. And I asked him, like, what are you going to do with all that stuff? And he's like, I'm going to take it to my daughter. And I was like, well, where's your daughter? And he goes on to explain that his girlfriend and his daughter are living in an apartment on the other side of town. And he hasn't seen them for many months because he's been doing some things that doesn't make his girlfriend very happy. And he's like, I'm really hoping that with all of these things, she's going to let me come back and see my daughter. And I was like, ooh, okay, you can try, but what about those, those things that you know that she doesn't like, right? And he's like, well, I don't know. I, I need to work on it. And I'm like, no, you need to do something about this now. So just talking with him and just giving him that time and that attention and really taking an interest in his life moved him so much that he asked a friend to borrow his phone and he called his girlfriend right there and apologized to her for doing these things that she know that he knows that she doesn't like and asked her permission like can I come back and see that my daughter and take a shower and then I promise I'm going to go and get help to get over these situations and he wanted me to sit there next to him on the curb while he made this phone call because he needed just that support and that encouragement to make that step in his life right Mm -hmm. so it's so simple to be able to offer them that little smile and that encouragement and that reminder that they're worth it right Mm -hmm. it's so 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 special So thank you very much for sharing those stories. We're definitely going to have a chance to share more. And today, one particular topic that we wanted to go deeper in is something that is so characteristic to all of our missions, whether we're serving homeless or whether we're going door to door or whether we're doing a carnival for children or whatever it is that activity that we might be doing or organization we might be serving with. One thing that we never want to leave out is that in-person encounter. And both of you have already touched on it without even meaning to because it's so central and such a heart to our mission style. So I wanted to ask you, what does it mean for you that we'd have in-person encounters on our missions? What does that remind you of or what does it mean to you on a personal level? Okay. Um, (laughs) That's such a deep question. I guess, what does it mean to me? I don't think I could get very philosophical with it, but to me, like encountering the person in front of you means like looking in their eyes and realizing that there is like a person whose life is just as complicated and as like painful and as beautiful as yours and being able to like recognize them for that and to be able to see that they are like a child of God and that he loves them so infinitely much and to like ask him to let you experience even just like a portion of the love that he has for them which can be a person on the street or like what Tanner has been saying about working behind the scenes 
a lot of times it's the missionaries. You know, like they come back from the mission and they're so excited. They have all these crazy stories and just handing them their lunch and being like, how was your mission? Like, what did you do today? Um, but also like taking that home. Like we tell our missionaries, you know, like you have to take it home. Like you have to take it everywhere you go. Like for me, like at work, it means like spending that extra time with like that kid in the hospital who's acting out, but like really sitting with them and like holding them and being hey, what do you need right now? What can I do in this moment to love you? And, like, that's what keeps me going every day, if I'm being honest. Because life right now is a lot. (laughs) Um, Even just, like, planning this year of missions, like, it can be super overwhelming, but I'm not, like, worried about it or stressed just because I know that, like, that encounter is what drives everything, and that encounter is what drives missions. So, like, Mm -hmm. I know it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. How about you for you, Tanner? Yeah, I think Joe said it really well. I think um, the encounter is just kind of the fundamental piece of the mission, if you think, if you think about it. Um, for me, it really kind of hones in on recognizing the dignity of that human person, right? So, like, when you, when you break it all down, when you remove all, like, the, you know, whatever, the clothing, or we're all the same. You know, and so I think like when you sit down with that person on the streets, whoever it might be, um, and you have an encounter, the encounter I think is is totally independent of like anything else that's currently like that separates you two, right? The encounter is really just focusing on the dignity of that human person and loving that person well. Like I'll go back to my favorite saying in the world: "You can't boil the ocean." So that's going to be the title of this podcast, by the way. So you, you can't boil the ocean. <laughs> Uh, when you look at Jesus's life, like you look at how he talked to people, it was all encounters, you know, everything from Mary Magdalene to Judas, like it was all the same. And I think like, that's just so important to carry with you each and every mission because we're like, really like taking, like being Christ's hands and feet on, on, it sounds so cliche to say, but it couldn't be more true Mm -hmm. of what we're doing on the streets. And for me, like, there's just no substitute for that. Mm-hmm. Like, even I think as we go come out of this pandemic, like, a really good analogy to that is, like, everybody hates Zoom calls. Everybody hates hopping on a WebEx because you can't be the person-to-person encounter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so critical to remember as we do missions. Like, we're not feeding a goldfish. You know, like, I'm not here to throw a, a sandwich at you and say, have a great day. Mm-hmm. No, I'm here to know you. Like, the sandwich is great. Like, we love the sandwich. Uh, but the sandwich is going gonna, is, is gonna to make you feel love for five seconds. My goal is five years, mm-hmm. you know, or a lifetime. And so I think about how our missionaries come back. Like Joe was saying, like our favorite part of any mission is serving lunch because we get to hear them all rush in and talk about all the crazy encounters that they've had and how many people they were able to love today. Mm-hmm. And I just think about you talk about that one person you saw and the, that recognized you from a previous mission you think about our 50 missionaries and how many people they talk to and encounter with on a mission and it's, it's explosive and it's just so exciting to see um, how far the love of Christ is spreading when we mm-hmm. do a mission I think mm-hmm. that's why the important why the encounter is so important yes and I love how you brought up the point that Jesus when he was here on earth he didn't like heal people in mass and he didn't go and just like do things like on a big wide scale or convert the whole planet at one moment but he had tons of little personal encounters with the leper with the sinful woman with the disciples 
that's the way he chose to work and it was like he was modeling for us how he wants us to be able to work with each other so I love how you brought that up because I was just in another city speaking to their local missionaries and they brought up that same point they're like that's why we work this way because it's the way that Jesus did it so I'm like ooh, it's spreading to all the different cities right that's that's incredible and it reminds me a little bit of one encounter that I was able to have just when I was on the missions in in Denver, I was in downtown Denver doing missions there for a week this past summer. And we were literally talking to the homeless in downtown. And it was incredible to see how hungry and thirsty they were for that personal encounter. Because we had sandwiches and granola bars and fruit there to give them. And they took it and then they sat down with us. And two gentlemen really, literally wanted to talk to us for 45 minutes. Like, they, we had nothing else material to give them, but they really weren't looking for that at all. They were just so hungry for a human conversation and to be able to encounter someone and that wasn't there to ask them for anything and that they weren't asking anything from us other than just that, that conversation and that ability to be able to share. And so it's just, it just shows how the human heart is just hungering for that. And I loved your Zoom example, Tanner. I relate mm-hmm. to that very, very, very much. <laughs> Was there any other in-person encounter mission stories? that you wanted to share with us before we start wrapping up? I think I'll leave you with something simple. I think uh, I don't have the best memory. So sometimes like, I have to fabricate little pieces of my stories. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I do have a terrible memory though. But Kathleen, this is something that you and I did together actually when you first got here. It was one of your first missions, if not your first. Um, we had met this gentleman that ha- struggled with addiction mm-hmm. with some pretty tough drugs. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it was needles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, actually, that was like pretty crazy because that doesn't, you don't see a ton of that. At least, I mean, I feel like in Atlanta, again, I'm pretty ignorant on this kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but he was just having like a really bad day, mm-hmm. just a terrible day, like where nothing mattered like the only thing was this fix and hopefully the fix would unfortunately take his life like Mm -hmm. that was really like what he was set out to do Mm -hmm. and it was just so crazy to me like that god had put kathleen and i like in front of this guy uh as he's like debating like taking his life and all Mm -hmm. this crazy stuff you know and um you know I, i i prayed for that guy a lot because I mean, he was really on the ledge, and I just think about, like, how many people don't tell us about where they actually are? You know, mm-hmm. like, if you're talking to somebody that you're having an encounter with on the streets, or just anywhere in daily life, you know? Like, I think about that a lot, because that one guy, we, I don't know exactly, I, I think we gave him some resources to mm-hmm. to go and get help, you know, mm-hmm. and to really get there. And I pray that, like, that that made meaningful change in his life, but I think about that and every other encounter that, you know, you go through, like, whether it's, you know, hard drugs or depression mm-hmm. or there's a lot of scary stuff out there, you know, and how much that little encounter can do for somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that just it's home Joe's point mm-hmm. from emphasizing the, the critical necessity that is the encounter. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I believe his name was Mark, if I don't remember Sorry. correctly, and he did share with us back to back he like lost his job and lost his brother and lost his mom and it was just like the grief that overwhelmed him and drove him to addiction and how much he needed that human connection and that reminder of how valuable he was and that his life was worth it that's so true 
And for me, Tanner, your story also reminds me when I was on a mission once in Philadelphia and I was walking with my mission team and we were approaching a park where there was quite a few homeless people. So uh, some of my mission team was speaking with one gentleman, some were speaking to with another. And so I remember kind of walking down the sidewalk with, with another missionary and I caught the eye of one of the missionaries on my team, just letting him know like, hey, I'm gonna keep walking down the sidewalk. So he knew where I was going. And the gentleman he was speaking to thought that I was motioning to the missionary to come, like to cut the conversation and end it and to come with me. And the, whole, and the gentleman jumped up and he came over to me and he's like, no, he can't leave yet. He's talking to me. Like, you can't cut this conversation. And I was like, no, 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 no sir. It's okay. Like, I don't want him to end the conversation. I'm just letting him know where I'm going, right? You finish your conversation. Because for that gentleman, he was so hungry to have that conversation and didn't want to cut it short. And the missionary who was speaking with him, his name is Ryan. And later in the highs and lows moment of the mission day, Ryan shared with us what that encounter was like. And this gentleman he was speaking to was sitting on the ground on a blanket and he was, he had the drugs there and he was getting it all ready so that he could inject himself, right? And Ryan approached him and offered him a sandwich and a water bottle and then sat down and had a conversation with him. And the conversation was so engaging that it was enough to distract this man for a while from what he was about to do. And that's why he was upset that he thought I was trying to pull Ryan away from him because he wanted to finish the conversation. And when the conversation ended, this gentleman looked Ryan in the face and was like, because of the way that you have spoken to me today, every time I'm tempted to shoot myself up or have this needle, like I'm going to see your face instead. Because as someone living on the streets, it's not hard for me to get food or water or clothing. Like there's people down here all the time throwing this stuff at us. And if we need it, we know where we can find it. He's like, but no one has spent the time that you have spent with me in a very, very long time. So I'm never going to forget your face. And so Ryan's sharing this with us in highs and lows. And we're just like, that is incredible. Like the hunger that his heart had and that desire to just really just be treated like a person and have that in-person encounter. So I think it's so, so powerful, right? So I want to thank you both so much for your time and for sharing your story and for your dedication to the mission, because it's people in their cities like yourselves that are willing to be missionaries in your backyard, right? You don't go to Africa, you don't go to even another city, but you are willing to give testimony and be missionaries right in your backyard. And that is sometimes even more heroic and even more difficult than going to another country, right, for a week. So I just wanted to ask one final question. If you could give a one small piece of advice to any local person that would want to start a mission in their city, what would you tell them? Um, just do it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get copyrighted now. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, but if I'm being like real, like honest advice, I would say don't do it alone. I mm. think the main reason that we've been so successful in Atlanta, like we have these awesome missions every month is because we have a good team like we have an incredible team honestly i'm super grateful for them every single day <laughs> but yeah that would probably be my advice awesome. get help from people who are committed nice how about for you Tanner? yeah i think that's good advice um <laughs> my advice is gonna be it only takes one but, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> one to get it started. You're right. You're right. <laughs> one to get it started. I think. Oh. I think. Yeah. No. Definitely can't <laughs> undervalue the value of a team because I think that a team makes it happen, right? Like you need a team, especially as you start to grow. Um, but kind of going back to like, it, like Jesus was a solo man, you know, in the beginning, um, and I think like. Don't be afraid to just take a couple friends. I mean, don't go alone, probably. Like, you know, go with friends or somebody close to you. Um, grab them and take them on mission, like, and just do it. Because, like Kathleen said, the world is very hungry and needs your encounter, needs your testimony, and needs Jesus' love more than anything. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't take a gajillion people to go and get together to do this. Um, it's supposed to be simple. And I think that's a lot of what Kathleen would tell you to do as well. Um, which is to get out there and go do it. Um, but yeah. And the other advice would be like, just don't be afraid. That is a huge piece of it as well. Like there is a lot of people in the world that's going to tell you like, it's not possible that it's, it's, it's a, it's a moot point that you can't do it, you know, but be not afraid. Like just go out and love each and every person that you see and you've done it you've got a mission awesome so. so thank you so much and to just close off this podcast how about we say a little prayer for all of our missionaries all across the world does that sound good in the name of the father and the son of the holy spirit amen heavenly father thank you so much for allowing us to share in your mission to share the love of jesus with everyone that we meet so we pray for all of the missionaries around the world you would give them the strength to have as many in-person encounters as they possibly can, sharing Jesus' love with everyone that they meet through their smile, through their gaze, through their words, and through their actions. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much for the both of you. Thank it's you. been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Mission Moments. We hope that you have been enriched by these mission stories and encouraged to go out and be a missionary in your daily life. If this podcast has inspired you in some way, please share it with a friend. You can also head over to the missionyouth.com website to see more mission testimonies, register for an upcoming mission, or see how you can get involved. You can also subscribe to the Mission Youth newsletter or follow us on social media. Mission Youth exists to provide mission experiences worldwide that ignite the missionary spark in the hearts of Catholic disciples, transforming them into apostles. We are only able to do what we do thanks to the prayers and financial support of so many. Please consider partnering with us in the mission by offering a prayer or donation. Links can be found on our website. Mission Youth is a 501c3 organization, and all donations are tax-deductible. The mission team thanks you and prays for you daily. See you on the next mission.